Greetings, fellow sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And I'm Brandon Turner. And we're your host of a weekly podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards. This is show number 11 and the first show of 2022. So I'm excited about what we've got in store this year. We continue to make slow and steady progress in terms of expanding our listener base. And so thankful to everyone that is tuned in and listened to our show. We have listeners in three countries now. We do, yeah. Or at least we've at least had people that have listened to the show in three different countries. So that was kind of cool. Picked up uh, Canada in the in the last uh, couple of weeks. So that was cool. And our social media following continues to grow at a slow and steady pace. Certainly not the level of others that have been doing this for a lot longer than us, but still good to see the the growth and um, that we're experiencing. So it's been nice. Yeah, definitely appreciate anybody who takes time to listen to our show. Yeah, absolutely. No question about that. Also, got some nice feedback on our last show. It was great to hear and happy that people enjoyed that interview with my dad and your grandfather as we kind of thought it was special to be able to do that, have three generations of family on the show. So glad that others enjoyed that as well. I did think it was kind of funny. Several people were commenting about meatloaf and calling him meatloaf yeah people pretty latched on that pretty quick yeah although i'm not really 100 percent sure if we actually said his real name anyway we so, did i think so i don't know if we did or not i think we did we said Stu or stewart turner right maybe i don't know but yeah everyone latched on to meatloaf that was funny got some comments on a couple social media posts so maybe uh his nickname is gonna come back to life here and people did comment that they enjoyed the stories, so that was fun. May have to may have to have him back sometime later this year because he's got a lot more stories where those yeah, came from. So definitely. And you got an order back from SGC this week, right? I did. I got a uh, small ten card order that we had sent in at the beginning of December and got it back this past week. It was about a twenty seven business day turnaround time door to door, maybe twenty five from the time they actually acknowledged receipt, which is technically when they start counting. So pretty decent turnaround time. Uh, there was nothing huge in the order, no monster cards, just a few sort of low mid value football cards I wanted to get graded and get back before the playoffs. So I had a couple of Joe Burrows, some Mac Jones cards in there, an A.J. Brown, a, a Kyler Murray, I think a Josh Jacobs, and then did also have a serial-numbered Devontae Adams that was numbered to 150. So like I said, nothing monster. They were kind of probably more on the lower end in terms of the value scale. But with that's a nice thing with SGC, with their pricing being $30 a card, you can do that and still potentially you know, make some money on, on the cards. All right, so what were the grades? Yeah, well, for the most part, I have to say these did not grade as as great as I was, I shouldn't say as great as I was hoping. So here's what happened. This was an interesting order because what happened was I kind of picked, I, I did, so this is a lesson for, for those listening. I didn't really look at the cards before I created the order and submitted it and paid for it. I knew I knew what cards I was wanting to send in, but I didn't give them kind of my full grading review to see what they would grade. And so I just kind of filled out the order with the cards I wanted to send in and, you know, completed it and all that. Then I went and looked at the cards and I was like, oh man, probably a couple of these maybe, maybe not should have got graded because I knew they weren't going to get a 10. But that's all right. Nonetheless, I got mostly nines, nine and a halfs. There was one 10. Um, so they weren't terrible, but, and there was, I think, one card that got less than a nine. It got an eight and a half. I was I knew that was going to happen although I was actually hoping it might get a 9 
but it did get an eight and a half. I think that was a Joe Burrow card. That one was a perfect example. I think we talked about, I don't know if it wasn't the last show, but one of the past couple of shows, we talked about how you have to be careful putting cards into the sleeves because you can ding a corner. That was a perfect example where I got that card in a break and I watched the breaker put that card into a sleeve and completely dinged the bottom left corner on it. And when I received it, I saw that and I was like, yeah. But I was hoping that would just knock it to a nine, but it ended up getting an eight and a half. But all the others were nines, nine and a halfs, and then a 10. I got a Mac, a Mac Jones card that was a 10. That was nice. I'm, I'm happy with the grades. If they're, you know, like I said, there wasn't anything monster in there but um are you gonna sell those or keep them i'll probably sell them i'll probably put them up on on the my slabs platform like i said they're i don't think they're gonna bring high prices but i'm hoping should be able to turn a profit in the aggregate on them and there's a couple of them that i think i'll do okay on especially probably after playoffs for sure yeah i'm thinking a couple of the mac jones and a couple of the burrow joe burrow cards uh should those ones should probably carry the the whole order so all right, well, on the last show, we talked about our fantasy football league and mentioned that Scott and Cameron were in the championship, father and son. So in case anyone cares, uh, we should probably mention how that turned out. Yeah, well, so Cameron won, and he was the, I guess, son schooled the father, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Scott probably wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. He won by a pretty decent margin, but... He had a big performance from his defense. He had the Chicago Bears. They played the New York Giants and got him like 28 points. I think that was really the big differential. And then Scott, he had Dalvin Cook as his running back who only got him one point, which is very unusual for Dalvin Cook. So I think between Dalvin Cook getting one point and the Bears getting like whatever it was, 28 points or whatever, that kind of sealed the deal. So, But nonetheless, trophies going to Colorado spending a a year there before hopefully next year it'll be coming back here to Tennessee all right and then should we talk about any buying or selling or or just buying really just buy yeah pretty much just buying I haven't (laughs) don't really sell a lot of stuff got a couple things for sale on the my slabs platform but haven't sold really anything yet I did buy actually quite a bit of wax over the last couple of weeks I haven't ripped much of it yet we actually need to do that but uh, did get some of the Bowman Inception product that we talked about. That actually hasn't showed up yet. We bought that directly from Tops, the manufacturer. and But it is on the way. I did get the shipping notice. We've got some of the Allen & Gintner Chrome Baseball uh, Hobby Box. That uh, is actually here. And then I got a couple of the All-Star Rookie Cup boxes. Did end up ripping one of those. We can talk about that some other time. But And then I also did get what's called these jersey fusion boxes which i know we're going to talk about later so i won't uh, mention a lot of that now but what we can talk about let's talk about how we pronounce names because you got some flack which i thought wasn't deserved from your uncle man why are we even addressing this last week how you pronounce mario lemieux and yarmer yager i don't even remember how I pronounced he was just teasing he was just teasing yeah. but you have this down like we're actually like addressing something I know. Well, why are we even addressing this? I don't know, Who just because I thought it would be fun. Just because I just want to let listeners know, first of all, in fairness, you're not a hockey guy. Obviously, I'm not a hockey guy. And But you do watch some Preds games. You follow basketball closely. And then also just because I know this is like a thing. can't be watching every single sport. You got these right. guys, these analysts sitting up here on TV acting like they watch every single sport. Like... Quit lying. No, I agree. No one, and, no one, no one can do that. All right. And it's like a thing too. Like I remember. First of I don't all, know. no one's an expert. That's right. So that's right. No, I hear you. And it's like, do you remember when Marcus Mariota 
came to the Tennessee Titans, nobody could pronounce his name right. His name, he didn't even get his name pronounced right by the announcers that were announcing the games in the NFL. They kept saying Marcus Mariota. It's not Mariota, it's Mariota. But, uh, and so that was like a whole thing for a long time. Everyone was talking about that, get his name right, pronounce his name right. Or like this probably before your day, but people remember this. There was a funny commercial back in the day about fantasy football, and there was a wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, and it was TJ... I'm not even going to try to say it. it was something like Hujamata or however you pronounce it, but there was like a commercial that was doing a joke because nobody could pronounce his last name. And so this one, and they, they were, this one guy drafts him and everyone's like, what's his last name? He's like, Hujamata, Hujamata, and he can't pronounce it. And then finally he goes, who's your mama? Championship. <laughs> so, so yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, it's kind of our thing, right? We're going to mis- mispronounce some names, tomato, tomato, schedule or schedule, or, you know, I, I, in my work, I have a couple of uh, companies I work with that are actually in Canada. And so one of the things that I think is funny is how uh, the difference in pronunciation of what else I call it progress, they would say progress, progress versus progress. Anyway, but we keep it real. And whether we mispronounce our name or not, it doesn't change our take or the information that yeah, we're sharing. Has for absolutely the benefit of our losers. No uh, impact. Did, I, did you hear me? I just said for the benefit of our losers. I'm not trying. Was... <laughs> I'm not trying to disrespect any player, man. I just don't know. We didn't lose anything for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah. No, I know you're not. I just figured I'd bring it up because I know it becomes a thing sometimes. People are like, man, pronounce the name right. Like, well, well I don't know. You don't need. To, I don't even. You don't even need to bring it up. I, I pronounce. Right. Yeah. So Uncle Scene. But, I hey, don't care. So let me. All no, right. I, I'm with you. I hear you. I feel the same way. And I pronounce names wrong all the time. So let me ask you, though. We'll change the subject. Did you know that, speaking of Lemieux and Yager, did you know they played together? No. Yeah. Of course I didn't know they played together. Yeah. So they played on the Pittsburgh Penguins together, and I thought uh, this would be kind of an interesting, I guess, stat or story or whatever you want to call it to to bring up, that they were uh, part of the team. Uh, Well, they played together for several years, but... Uh, I think one of the more memorable moments was the 1992 Stanley Cup Final. They played the Chicago Blackhawks. Any listeners that we have in Pittsburgh may remember they swept the Blackhawks that year, but the series was highlighted by Game 1 where they were actually down 4-1 to in the second period and then came back to win on the back of goals by none other than Yammer Yager and Mario Lemieux. And then they ended up sweeping the series, and that resulted in them winning back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. Which, by the way, did you know, speaking of your uncle, because he's a big hockey guy, and your nephews, as we've talked on the show before, is playing hockey up at uh, Eastern Washington. Hopefully he's uh, doing well. Well, not my nephew. Or not my, uh, yeah, not your nephew. Your cousin, my nephew. Sorry, yeah. But did you know that what's the... um, now, now I'm gonna see now. Now it slipped my mind, so now I'm gonna totally blow it. What's the uh, what do they call it? The scariest? Not the scariest. The uh, oh man, see I've already blown it. But like the the most unsafe lead in hockey. I, I've totally blown this. But anyway, let's what are call you it talking the, about. So <laughs> what are you, ta- if what you're are you up, trying to so say? In, and what I'm trying to say is in hockey, if you are if you have a three goal lead, that's considered like the worst lead you can have because for whatever reason. Teams with three goal leads often end up losing the game. And it just made me think of it because that game I was just talking about in that Stanley Cup final in 1992, uh, Pittsburgh was down 4-1 to one to the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks had a three-goal lead, and they ended up losing the game. And for some reason, I don't know why, but that's like a thing in hockey. Hmm. Like three-goal leads often. I don't know. That's get, interesting. Yeah. 
All right. right, Well, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Before we jump in the agenda for the show today, I do want to mention, because of my apologies on this, we did have another winner of the set of 1982 Topps 20th Anniversary Kmart Limited Edition Collector's Series cards that we gave away. And so my apologies, because I completely missed another winner that we had on Facebook. It was actually when I was when I had Facebook up on my phone when we were talking about that last time, it was in a different location than Messenger, which is where I was looking, and so that's why I missed it. But I do want to give a shout-out to Kevin Wright. Kevin will be receiving a complete set of those cards. We shipped the other cards out last week to all the other winners, so we're Kevin. We're going to get your set together. We'll get that sent out as soon as possible. It'll be no later than Monday for sure, so congrats, Kevin. You can look forward to receiving your cards soon. All right, Brandon, why don't we give a rundown of the show for today? All right, well, first, we're actually going to do a penalty box segment today, if anybody remembers what that is. Nice, yeah, we haven't had one of those in a while, so all right, that's good. Looking Um, forward to that. And then in this one, we will opine on the Fanatics acquisition of Tops and the various ramifications of that transaction. Yes, that was a big deal. Uh, Then we will cover all the latest hobby news in the halftime report. We've also got some NBA and NFL stuff planned for our film study. And if we have time, we may wrap up with a coach's corner, but probably going to hold that one over to the next show. Sounds good. All right, let's get started and throw ourselves into the penalty box. 27 Columbus, two minutes for hooking. Okay, to get started here, the big news this week was that Fanatics is buying tops. Not really surprising. It was probably one of the worst kept secrets in the hobby, to be quite honest, because I think everyone was expecting this. It was just a matter of time. But they made it official. They're buying tops for $500 million, which is a nice price tag. The sale does not include the Topps confectionery business. Topps has a candy business. It includes brands like Bazooka Gum and Thing, and I think ring pops and things like that. There's also like a company gift card business or something that's not included. So this is the trading card side. But just to put that in perspective, remember last year Tops was going to come public. And we talked, I can't remember if it was the first show or what show it was, but we've talked about this in the past, how Tops was going to come public via what's called a SPAC deal, which just stands for like special purpose acquisition company. Anyway, it's not important. But they were going to come public and... That was right before Fanatics got the sports licenses for basketball, baseball, and football. And that deal was valued at $1.3 billion, but that did include the candy business, as I, if I remember it right. That was the whole company. Now, just the trading card business is valued at $500 million. That's interesting. I, definitely a hit, because I don't think their candy business is valued at more than the trading card business. I would hope not. No. So, I'm guessing... This is probably 50 to 70% of the value that they were going to get when they were trying to come public last year. I think I saw somewhere that Topps does, the trading card business does just over 500, maybe 555, 75 million in annual revenue, something like that, give or take. So this deal sounds like it'll be somewhere around one times revenue. Anyway. This was an interesting deal. Again, inevitable, but still very impactful. And going to, I mean, so many interesting things about this. First of all, remember, Topps right now has the Major League Baseball licenses. Now, they also have some others. They have some soccer. They have MLS. They have, so here's an example where I'm not going to be able to pronounce this because I just, it's, is it Bundesliga? Um, I think is how you pronounce that. Is that right? 
I don't know. That sounds... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So they, and someone can rip Look, me soccer for... Soccer is mis- like the one sport that I actually like don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. Well, and then they have the UEFA, which is, I think, just the European... Um, or the the, um, the Union of Europe Football Association or something like that. It's soccer. They have Formula One, which is racing. They have Star Wars. And they've got some other sports and entertainment brands as well. But so now, if you think about it, what's interesting about this is that Fanatics now gets all these licenses immediately because Tops is going to be under their umbrella. So, again, wasn't a surprise. There are some people that have acted like, you know, oh, we called this. And frankly, you could say we did too because we've talked about how we sort of expected this to happen. But the reality of it is Michael Rubin, who's the head of Fanatics, he went on CNBC in the fall of last year, and we reported on this when he did it. And he said that they would like to purchase, you know, one of the existing card manufacturers, and he did not rule out the acquisition of Topps or Panini. So, I mean, it was it was very telegraphed. And like I said, the interesting thing about this to me is that no more waiting until 2025. You know, when Fanatics got those licenses, the first one, I think, was the base that would have expired was baseball that Tops had. I think that was in 2025. And then I think Panini's licenses, let me look this up, because I think their basketball license goes through 2025 and their football license, I think, goes through 2026. So the reality of it is is that Fanatics wasn't going to be able to produce any of these cards until 2026 and beyond. But now... With this acquisition of Tops, they don't have to wait around oh, anymore. So now they can just start. Yeah, they're huh. immediately in the business. Now, Tops is, they bought Tops because Tops is a card manufacturer, has that expertise. Fanatics does not. They've also got the infrastructure. Fanatics did not. So they bought it for that. So Tops will be making this stuff still. But what's interesting is now Fanatics can have involvement and, you know, they can kind of have some decision making authority here about what they're going to do like if they've got some different unique ideas about how they're going to do different cards or different sets and how they want to do different things they can start implementing those ideas and those plans now instead of waiting until 2026 or whenever it was so good move for fanatics yeah so yeah i mean they can get in the game immediately so to me that's almost the more interesting thing here it's not so much that okay yeah they get the card manufacturing but it's more about, hey, they can start jumping into this immediately now, at least with baseball. And they'll have Star Wars and those soccer ones and Formula One and all that. So that's going to be interesting. Another interesting tidbit on this in terms of you think about the impact. So Top sells on Amazon, has a deal with Amazon. Fanatics does not. Obviously, Fanatics and Amazon effectively are competitors in that regard. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that and whether Fanatics is going to try to keep everything exclusive to their own online channels, and they've talked about wanting to you know, have that direct-to-consumer model, or whether they're going to be willing to work with other large e-commerce companies like an Amazon. So, And then, you know, Tops also obviously had a lot of the distribution agreements with the, uh, the physical retailers, Walmart and Target and those kind of companies as well so i'd imagine a lot of that's going to stay in place because fanatics has already talked josh luber and others have talked about how they want cards to be read you know available and be able to get them in a lot of different locations but i know they also want to do a lot direct to consumer online so it's gonna be interesting to watch that another thing that i think is going to be interesting about this is nfts non-fungible tokens remember we've talked about those but here's the thing fanatics will now get tops nft platform 
and Fanatics has been building out their own. They have a company they call Candy Digital that is going to be handling NFTs. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops because I feel like, to be honest, that Panini... Probably got to merge those. Yeah, and I feel somehow. like Panini's done a better job in the NFT space than Topps has. Maybe that's not fair, but that's just my take on it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Is Fanatics going to come out with something that's going to be you know interesting on the NFT side? So that that's something to watch. And again, they can you know, do that now since they've got those licenses under tops. And then last but certainly not least, it's going to be interesting to see the impact on Panini because I've heard, you know, some social media influencers out there, especially those that have, that I, I know have like distribution agreements to sell Panini products or they've got breaking companies where they break a lot of Panini products. They've tried to kind of downplay this, but there's no denying that if Fanatics doesn't acquire or put some kind of deal in place with Panini, then Fanatics ultimately, when they take over basketball and football licenses from Panini in a few years, that's going to have a significant impact on their business. I just don't see how you can deny that. I mean, how could you? They're they're going to, you know, I know there's certain people in the industry that have strong financial ties to Panini. They can't necessarily say anything bad about them or they don't want to or they don't want to acknowledge this, the impact in a negative way this could have on their business. But let's be real. Panini was in the same situation as Tops, And those same people kind of talked about they thought, you know, how in trouble Tops was. Well, if Tops was, Panini was too. But now that Fanatics has bought Tops, what does that mean for Panini? I feel like Panini needs to try and make a deal with them. Well, I feel like that's really their only option because otherwise they're just going to be pushed well, out of business. And if you think about the incentive for Fanatics to do it now is a lot less because what they needed was card manufacturing. And so they, you know, Panini or Tops or Upper Deck were kind of the three major companies that could do that. They've bought Tops. They have that now. So what's the value that Panini brings to the table? Now, I know there's a lot of other value that Panini can bring. They've got a lot of good brands and you know, a lot of things like the NFT stuff they're doing. There's a lot of other things. And they've got those licenses locked up for at least another, what, four years. So nothing's imminent here because at the very least, Panini's going to be able to continue to be in the market with those licenses till what, 2026, 2027 for um, football and basketball. One benefit, I guess, would be for Fanatics to do something with Panini so they can get into the market quicker for those two sports like they can with baseball now with the Topps acquisition. But... I don't think you can deny that if there, if nothing happens between Fanatics and Panini, then four or five years from now, when Fanatics takes over those licenses, there. I mean, how how can it not be a massive negative impact to their business? I mean, if you ask me, I think they would quickly become the odd man out in that scenario. And frankly, there's precedent for this. So I'll go back. We've got this actually in our blog post on our website. It would not be unlike what happened to Upper Deck in the 1990s. And if you read our blog post on our website, we give kind of a whole history and accounting of the sports card market and of sports card manufacturers. And remember, Upper Deck back then once had licenses with all four major sports leagues. They had baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. And they were one of very few companies to have ever done that. Quickly became a significant rival to Topps. But then ultimately, they weren't able to renew those licenses, and they kind of now largely found themselves relegated to more of a niche where they did maintain the hockey licenses, and they're producing hockey cards. And, and they do a bunch of other stuff as well, 
but as it relates to sports cards hockey is really their main product and they're not really a force in those in those other markets and so i'm not i'm not saying panini's not going to survive this i think they do survive but they certainly won't be as large of a player in the u.s as they are today and and maybe that's what'll happen maybe they're gonna have to sort of go back to their roots remember they were a european company and kind of got their start with soccer stickers in europe and maybe that's what they'll do is focus more on their international business than their u.s business i mean who knows who knows what a lot can happen between now and then so we'll see how this plays out but i have to think if i'm an executive sitting in panini's chair right now this um you know would have me concerned about the the long-term future so we'll see and speaking of upper deck you know i guess they're another question mark what happens to them through all this they're probably not as impacted as panini and tops obviously because they did just renew their license agreement with the nhl so they've got that locked up i think for what did we say six or seven years when we reported that a few shows ago so you know they can stay independent focus on that or is or fanatics going to try to do a deal with them in some sort of way in the future so who knows Another thing to think about in terms of what might be next for Fanatics, again, this is one of those, this isn't some crazy prediction. This is a very telegraphed move. They've already stated that they would like to acquire an online sports gaming company, and they've been linked to a company like Rush Street Interactive. So I believe I believe they're a publicly traded company now, and they, I think they just got approval to go into New York. So who knows? I mean, you obviously have FanDuel, you have DraftKings out there. They both have large presences in that space. I think they also just got approved to go into New York. I think that came out today, if I'm not mistaken. And DraftKings, for their part, they're publicly traded. Their stock has really declined quite a bit over the last several months. So who knows? They could be ripe for a takeover target. So we'll see. But Fanatics has already stated that's an an area they want to be in, and they will be looking to acquire something to get to sort of further move them into that space so i wouldn't be the least bit surprised if that's the next news that we see coming out of them but anyway it was interesting to to see that kind of hope not what's that kind of hope not yeah i mean lots of changes in store for uh for the for the hobby in the coming years so but you know we'll see i'm not uh i don't necessarily i'm not one of the ones that necessarily thinks it's that this is all bad or negative there are aspects of it that i'm a little suspect of i obviously don't want a monopoly i don't want one company handling everything i don't think that's good for customers in any industry but i do think there's some things that fanatics can do to improve i mean there's there's a lot of opportunity for improvement in this space and we've already seen that i mean with a lot of the investment money that's been the capital that's been coming into the space there's been a lot of new companies and innovative companies and different things you know that have, technology that's been brought in that's made significant improvements so i'm i am excited i think there's long-term opportunity in this space i'm excited to see you know what happens and kind of how things transpire but that was interesting news this week so yeah, yeah i think that's our that's our take on that i don't know if i have anything anything more on that all right well then i think we've pretty much thoroughly covered that so we can go ahead and move on and we'll go ahead and jump into the halftime report okay well let's start with some unfortunate news that is that we lost a couple of sports legends this past week or two yes. both uh, john madden and dan reeves 
passed away, so that was unfortunate to hear. Yes, uh, Reeves was 77. In fact, he passed just a few weeks before what would have been his 78th birthday, which was on January 19th. Yeah. And John Madden was 85. Yeah, it was sad to see that news. Have a lot of fond memories of both of those guys, actually, especially because, remember, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, and Dan Reeves was a coach for the Broncos back in the Elway, in the early days of the Elway, before Mike Shanahan came in and actually took the Broncos to several Super Bowls. I think, was he the coach of the three, all three of the Super Bowls in the late 80s? I'm trying to remember. I think he might have been. And then also, then he ended up going to the Atlanta Falcons, and he was the coach when Denver played Atlanta in the Super Bowl. A lot of fond memories of Dan Reeves, and obviously John Madden as a coach of the Raiders. I mean, two absolute legends. Yeah, sports announcer, and then obviously the NFL football game that he's got out. Yeah, that was sad to see. And while it's not sports-related... Another absolute legend. Yeah, it was also sorry to hear and see that Betty White died. She was 99, and like Madden, like John Madden, she passed just a few weeks before her birthday, which was January 17th, and that would have been the century mark for her. She was about ready to turn 100, so... Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I don't think she's actually dead. Betty White can't die. Just kidding. Um, It's really (laughs) sad. No, but, like, I really thought Betty White was going to live forever, man. Yeah, I know. So that was a big surprise. But, yeah, yeah, I want to joke about that, but I probably shouldn't. No, Um, I hear you. Well, they're – well, I mean, it is is really, really sad. Yeah, no, I agree. And I want to say, speaking of that, there was – it was was kind of unbelievable news because I think – I want to say, like, five or ten years ago, there was someone that did something like that, and they said – and it got misinterpreted, I think. I don't think it was a joke, but I think it was a story that got misinterpreted because it was like the story was that she dyed her hair. And someone, oh. I think, misinterpreted that she died or something. I don't remember. Anyway, but nonetheless, that was, yeah, I agree. It was like, that's yes. sad A couple to see, of absolute legends. Yeah. Okay, don't want to bring everyone down, but certainly want to pay our respects to those legends. And so that's why we wanted to bring that up here. But let's go ahead and move on now to some less sobering news. All right. Uh, well, last time we talked about the Mint Collective, which is an industry conference that was scheduled to be held in Las Vegas from January 28th through the 30th. But now, due to the recent Omicron COVID outbreak, that conference has been pushed back and will now be held in March from the 25th to the 27th. You can find all the details on their website, www.themintcollective.com. Yeah, I was wondering what they were going to do there because it's not surprising to see that get pushed back. I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm hoping that you and I will both be able to go to that because I think that's going to be a fun event. In grading company news, PSA announced a new PSA branded sleeve for their slabs for any submission at the Super Express level or above. And they said it was one of many product enhancements in the works. Yeah, a couple quick things there. So we talk about slabs. Remember, those are just the sort of plastic or what acrylic, whatever you want to call it casings that they that these grading companies put the cards to protect the cards and then what typically will do i know it's like you know protection for protection for protection but there are sleeves these kind of thin plastic film sleeves that people will get we we do the same to put the slabs into to protect the slabs so they don't get all scratched up uh, because people don't want to have scratched up slabs and anyway so now they've got their own branded like you said and then but i thought what was most interesting about that is they said many other product enhancements in the works so i'm not sure what that's all about but any other gonna we're be, gonna put our name on some other stuff too yeah so i don't know it'll be interesting to see if they've got yes, any they innovative Ooh. well you know it'll be interesting to see what they got in the works there 
So I know they just say it like that's like it some is kind like of funny deal. because it's almost like oh, one of many product enhancements. Do you in the need works. a basically all we we all they did was put their name on us on a sleeve. That's true, actually. That's true. That's all they did. <laughs> they branded they a sleeve. That wasn't an enhancement. They just put their name on it. Yeah, that's well, all they did, and they have their own sleeves now, I guess. But yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, all right. Well, in other grading company news, HGA provided an update on their business. I wanted to talk about this just briefly because obviously we had Tyler Hit, the CEO of HGA, on our show. Did a guest interview with him that was fun, and he's I think a really good guy, trying to I think build a good quality company. But they've taken a lot of heat lately from folks in the hobby, and frankly, I think a lot of that's been unwarranted and been unfair. Um, but for whatever reason. This is one of those things that there just seem to be some people in this hobby that want to tear down any new company that comes into the space. I frankly don't understand it because I do think that competition in options for collectors and investors is a positive thing. But nonetheless, they've been taking some shots from people in the hobby for some of the mistakes they've made where maybe they graded and authenticated some fake cards. Um, They've made some I think just quality control mistakes on some of their slabs and so forth. But frankly, they're not, it, you know, all the other companies do the same thing. But I think just because they're new, they're smaller, they get put under the spotlight more. And anyway, I think, to be honest, I think it's a little unfortunate, but it is what it is. And remember, they are still less than a year old as a company. And so, if it, you know, frankly, it's amazing that they've been able to accomplish all the things they've done in such a short period of time. But they did announce that they've taken on a large investor, someone that's got experience in what you call lean manufacturing processes to help them become more efficient in their processes. They also announced they've let some people go, and that was, I think, you know, one of the sort of controversial topics. They, they claim it's, it's, they've let those folks go because they've become more efficient, uh, but that's probably going to create some scuttlebutt. There's that word again that I like to use. Because... The reality of it is some people are using that to say, hey, they're they're having financial trouble and trying to paint it that way. I don't know about that. Because they're falling behind on their – they're not meeting their turnaround times on their card grading. And so people are saying, well, if you're not meeting your turnaround times, why are you laying people off? And so I don't know. I think there's a lot more to it than that. I don't think it's just as simple as uh, of a narrative as some people want to paint it. But And they also announced they're changing their service levels to reflect a range of turnaround times. Yeah, and that was because, again, they aren't hurting those – or they aren't hitting, I should say, those turnaround times. And so now they change that to a range. And COVID's taken a toll on them. You know, Tyler talked about that when he was on our show, and they've mentioned that a couple times. They even said that in their update that there was a day where 63% of their staff were out as a result of illness, that's tough. And I can you know, say firsthand, I know a lot of companies, the company I work for has experienced some of that, and a lot of companies have experienced that here over the last several weeks. And, I mean, a small company like that with, what, 100-plus employees, if you get a large number of your staff that gets sick and has to be out for several days, obviously that's going to hurt your productivity and your turnaround time. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me, but... All right, and then finally, they stated that horizontal slabs will be available on January 10th and that they will be creating a library of custom labels that people can select from to help speed up the custom label process. Yep, and remember, we talked about the horizontal slabs when we had them on the show. The customs, I think, is interesting. Custom labels obviously creates longer turnaround times, but it's also what they're known for, so it's kind of a catch-22. But I like 
you know, what that they've stated they're going to allow for, not only are they going to give people a library of custom labels they've created, so if you want one of those, you can pick them, and then they can just get that printed and get it done and not have to spend time designing something different. But then they're also going to allow for a true, what I'd call one-of-one custom label that you'll have to probably pay a little more for, but it won't be reused in any other submission on any other slab. So if you want that, you can have that, which I think that's a, a nice feature as well. So but anyway, all right, let's move on. Did you see, I think I did show you the Dominique Wilkins patch card that got pulled. I think so. That was a sick card, I have to say. It was an interesting card. It was part of a Reebok shoe. And it was, so it was a card, it was basically a patch card, but the patch was, instead of being part of a uniform, it was part of a Reebok shoe. And it was the part that's on the, that has the pump on the tongue. Is it, do you, do you remember seeing any of these or is this before your time? No, I don't even remember any Yeah, of this was like a thing no. when I was a kid and grew up. And it was the pump and Nike had the pump and you, and it had these, it's like, it's in the shape of a basketball it's on the tongue and you could pump it and it actually pumps air you know, like the Nike Air, Reebok Air, whatever. It pumps air into the shoe, and you can actually feel it kind of pumping air into the shoe. So it was the piece that was the pump on the tongue that was used to pump air in the shoe. That was on the card. That was pulled from a 2020 to 21 Panini Immaculate Collegiate Basketball box. It was a one-of-one. It was cool. A lot of people in the hobby were talking about it. I don't know that anyone sort of expected that. And it was a really interesting poll. We'll have to post a picture of it on our social media channel so people can see what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then did you want to talk about Antonio Brown? Uh, you know, had I know that was in our notes, but I don't know there's really a whole lot for us to talk about there. He had a meltdown. Obviously, everyone knows about it. There's not much we could add to it. So, no, let's just go ahead and right. move on. Although I will say this. That is the risk for people that, you know, want to collect cards for the purpose of flipping or you know investing and trying to turn a profit and sell them a later time that is the risk you can have players that you know like that that might have had a really nice career and whose card values might have been starting to grow in value and then they can do something like that that ultimately might impact the value of those cards and so if that's the reason you're in buying and investing into those cards you have to be aware that obviously that stuff like that can happen and so you have to be careful and kind of manage your risk accordingly Let's see. What else? Uh, Okay. Yeah, last time we did a pretty thorough rundown of card releases, but there have been some additional releases that I think are noteworthy. So let's do another one this time, but it will be shorter than last time, I promise. All right. So starting with Tops, they released their Bowman's Best, Bowman Draft, and Dynasty Baseball products. Yeah, those are all likely going to be highly sought after. I actually really like the Dynasty product, but it is not cheap. It's over $400 per box. And each box contains just one. It's over $400 per card. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. Per one card. Yeah, exactly. One card, like you said, is is one card. Is one pack in a box a box or is it a pack? Is one card card in a pack make it a pack or is it a card? card? You are buying a card for over $400. But I will say, if you haven't seen them, they are really nice cards. Every card is serial numbered to 10 or less, which is cool. And they're all auto patches. So meaning... It's an autograph card with a patch of a game-worn or uniform or player-worn, you know, uniform jersey or whatever. And then some of them are also what they call cut signature cards. And what is that? So a cut signature card is actually just instead of the player autographing the card, the they take a signature that is cut from some other document. So it's it could be, for example, like a check. Maybe the player wrote out a check to pay their bills, and that and someone got that check 
and they they cut the signature of it yeah is that and, allowed and they cut the signature and put it into a card or it might be a contract maybe it's a it's an old contract that the player signed with the their yankees and they had a contract with the yankees and they signed it and so you cut the signature out of that contract and you put it in the card so that's why they call it a cut signature card but they're really cool if, if you go online and look up kind of some of the images of some of those cards they i have to say they are really nice cards but like you said they're not cheap and then the bowman draft product that you talked about is also highly sought after that contains autograph cards from many of the top prospects so guys like and hopefully i'm pronouncing this right another example where we're probably going to mispronounce a name marcelo mayer jordan lawler a bunch of guys like that those always sell for premium prices and so as an example many of those autograph cards that have been pulled if they're even just the base autos are already selling for several hundred dollars and then some of the serial numbered parallels that have autographs on them are literally selling for thousands of dollars but a word of caution here um, there's always typically a frenzy when this product is released and the hype builds around a lot of these players but inevitably many of them won't pan out as expected and then when that happens the value of these cards will plummet so you have to be careful if you're buying them in the secondary market in fact I'd recommend not doing that. I'd recommend you buy the wax, the boxes that are available now, and then see what you can pull from the packs in those boxes rather than paying a premium for them in the secondary market. All right, and it should be noted that those come in many different configurations, Hobby Light, Hobby Jumbo, Super Jumbo, etc. So it just sort of depends on what your price point is and what you want to get in terms of which box you should buy. Yeah, and a good resource to find out information about what's included in all those different boxes and the checklist of what all players and cards are included in the set is a company called Cardboard Connection. They've got a website. In fact, if you go to our website, look under Hobby Resources, and our website again is www.the615collector.com, click on Hobby Resources, and then click on Card Research. You'll find the link there to Cardboard Connection, so you can click on that. It'll take you to their site, and then you can just search for whatever product or set you're looking for, and they kind of give you all the information you need to know about that product or that set. All right, so moving on to Panini. Uh, In football, they released their Mosaic, Phoenix, and Immaculate products. And then for basketball, they released their Hoops and Donruss products, which will be the first products to contain cards of the 2021-22 rookie class in their pro uniforms. Yeah, and similarly, Upper Deck released their what's called their MVP hockey cards. Uh, that product is also the first to contain some of the uh, rookie cards of the 2021 and 2022 draft class. Finally, did you want to mention the Jersey Fusion cards? Yeah, because these are interesting. They're called Jersey, easy for me to say, Jersey Fusion, and each box contains one card. They're about $40 a box, so $40 a card. And they what they do, they actually use original cards from the manufacturers. Oftentimes it might be rookie, so it might be like a rookie Kobe Bryant card or whatever and of the different players. And they've got, again, you can look at their checklist. They've got all, you know, all everything from sort of historic legends of the different sports to current modern day players but then they pair those with an authentic game-worn patch for like a jersey patch or whatever and kind of recreate a new card from it and they put a qr code on the back that actually links you to an image of that original jersey or the item that they used Uh, to take the patch from and shows the authenticity of it so they're interesting cards they're fun to rip those boxes they're not terrible you know again it's forty dollars it's only one card but the cards are super nice 
a uh, lot of really good legendary players or, or popular players as part of that. They've become popular, in, and this is probably in part because there's a company we've talked about before, Dave and Adams. They're one of the largest uh, baseball, or not baseball, sports card shops, an online seller of, of sports cards and trading cards. They've put a bounty out for anyone that pulls the Justin Herbert one-of-one one NFL Shield card. So the patch is the, the NFL Shield that's on the jersey. And it's a one-of-one. One. And they have said that if anyone pulls that from the Jersey Fusion box, they will pay you $15,000 for the card. Now, that assumes you couldn't go out to auction and sell it for I about like $50,000. Yeah, I feel like you could get more than that <laughs> yeah. for that. I think you probably could. But I don't know. Maybe not. All right. Well, that's the rundown of card releases for today. So let's move on to other news. And actually, this one will be me. It's not really news per se, but I did want to mention or at least highlight did you see the social media post from blaze jordan mm, no yeah about collecting no cards. i don't know yeah well he is so do you do you know who blaze jordan is no you probably I don't. don't follow that as closely mm -hmm. so he is actually a top baseball prospect i think he's with the red Sox um, organization and it was fun he, he posted uh, i think it's fun when you see a lot of these athletes getting involved in the hobby and collecting cards not just their cards but cards of other players they like as well as you know, historical like vintage cards and that type of thing. And so he just kind of posted to, to talk about how he's gotten into collecting and the different cards he's collecting. And I, I think that's only going to help continue to expand the reach and the popularity of, of the hobby. And so I thought that was neat and just thought I'd point that out. All right, that's probably enough for now. Let's go ahead and move on to our film study segment. Okay, so we've got, we want to talk about a couple, basically we want to talk some football, some basketball. There's also baseball news. I know we mentioned last time that the 2022 Hall of Fame ballot came out for baseball, but we're going to cover that in another show because we are not going to be talking about baseball today. But we are going to talk football and basketball. We've got a lot of different topics to hit on. Where do you want to start? Do you have a preference? I don't, do you want to start with the Pro Bowl thing? Yeah, we can. NFL announced the Pro Bowl selections. And more so than you can go online and see the selections. I don't know that we need to go over all that. I was probably more interested in covering some of the snubs <laughs> that, that that did not get selected to the Pro Bowl that I thought probably should have. Um, although I realize there's a limited number of people they can select, so it's always like, well, if you put that guy in, who are you going to take out? But nonetheless, there's some guys that have put together some really nice seasons that are not in the Pro Bowl. So that include the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the rookie running back out of Alabama, Najee Harris. We've talked about him before. He's had a good year. Also, another one I was a little surprised at, and that's Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Our listeners know I'm I'm high on him. I know he hasn't had as great of a season, you know, maybe statistically this year as he's as he had last year. And I know you've got guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert that have been putting up big numbers in the AFC. But nonetheless, I thought that was interesting that he wasn't selected. Another guy I think that doesn't get enough love. Um, obviously from the sport as well as the hobby is Austin Eckler, the running back out of the for the San Diego Chargers. That guy is a beast, and anytime he's not in the lineup for the Chargers, it shows. He um, He's also, by the way, a fantasy football beast. That guy just puts up stats like crazy. And then you had another guy like Cord um, Cordell Patterson, who's uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. He put together really – or has put together a nice season. Then Joe Burrow was not on the list. Bengals probably going to be winning the division, making the playoffs, and Burrow's not on the list. Leonard Fournette, running back for Tampa Bay, 
Uh, he's put together a great season. Uh, my beloved Broncos did not have one. They were one of six teams that didn't have any player nominate the Pro Bowl. Now, I know the Broncos didn't have a great season, but come on, they've got some studs on that team. So I was surprised, like a guy like Justin Simmons, who's a safety for the Broncos, didn't make it. There's several other guys, but that's all right. I get it. And then another one that's kind of surprising, I get it because he was injured for half the season, but Derrick Henry. Do you know that? That's not a snub. No. I don't see who's calling that a snub. He didn't play any games. I'm he, calling he it a snub. He barely played any games. He played half the season. He, mm. And here's the thing. Do you realize that even though he's missed, how many how many games he missed? Probably eight or nine games, give or take? Something like that, which is he, more than half. Do you realize that he's still in the top five in like almost all the rushing categories for like <laughs> really? yards and touchdowns and the whole nine? He's among Man, running backs still, in the NFL. Though. He's still like in the top five. Even still. So... You I mean, can't I be in the Pro Bowl and miss over half the season. Yeah, that just I, doesn't it don't work like that. No, I know, I get that, I get that. But the I best do. ability is availability, and that's taken into account. Nice. You can't you can't miss half the season and be in the Pro Bowl. That's not how it works. I, like I don't that. care how good you are. Um, I, I like that quote. Where'd you get that? <sighs> People say that all the time. I know. Best ability is availability. People say that all the time. Yeah, and it's true. It is so, true. I don't it know. I wouldn't really call that a snub personally, but... Well, hold on, because I was going to look up. Let's look up... Uh, where is it? I want to see where he stacks up. Rushing leaders here. So, all right. So, he is in the entire NFL. One, two, three. He is sixth right now in the NFL with 937 yards behind Dalvin Cook, who's number five at 1,080. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor leads the league with over 1,700 yards. He leads the league by far. But that's crazy to me if you think about it, how I mean, Derrick Henry is still six he... and he's missed half the season. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was on pace for another historic year. Yeah. but And then touchdowns. So he is one, two, three, four, five, six. So I guess he's like seventh in touchdowns. Um, he has 10. Jonathan Taylor in the lead with 18. Well, he's tied with Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott with Dallas has 10. And then Austin Eckler, who we just mentioned, and Joe Mixon. Now, Austin Eckler has 11. Joe Mixon has 13. So in a lot of the running back stat categories, Derrick Henry is still among the leaders, even though he's missed half the season. And he's supposed to be coming back and playing. I don't – you know, to be honest, now I'm not a huge Titan fan. We obviously live in Nashville, and if the Broncos aren't playing, I'll watch the Titans and – when Marcus Mariota was here, being an Oregon Duck guy, kind of rooted for them. But I'm not sure it's the. I mean, I know why. I you know for the Titans, you want to have Derrick Henry back because he can make all the difference in the world in terms of your shot to go to the Super Bowl, and win a championship. But I also wonder if he's not maybe trying to rush back a little too soon, and is it going to potentially? Let's knock on wood, but I would hate for anything more to happen and have it impact his future career because i think he's got a potentially long nice career ahead of him well here's the thing about that um first of all i don't think he needs to rush back because the titans have obviously kind of proved that they don't necessarily absolutely need him to win yeah that's true they can win without him um, at a very high clip in fact they're the top probably will finish in the top seed um they'll ask him is against the texans if they win that they will be the top seed in the afc which is pretty impressive when your best player is out yep but the, the important thing about this stretch without Derrick Henry is that all the other guys who had to step up, even with guys like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones being out a couple games um, over the course of the season, a lot of the guys who maybe don't get 
like a lot of catches, a lot of playing time, whatever, have had to step up and play well. And everybody's had to play well in order to win all these games the Titans have been winning. So that bodes well for the playoff run when Derrick Henry does come back because he's not going to have to take on as big of a load as he has in the past years because everybody else is ready. Probably so, true. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, And, and in I, terms of him coming back and rushing back and getting injured, first of all, he doesn't need to rush back because they're fine. Second of all, even if he does come back and if it's a little bit rushed, he's not going to be taking on the load that he necessarily has taken in previous years because he doesn't need to anymore. Yeah, They've got the rest of the team going at a pretty good rhythm right now. So... They well, should be fine. And so if they win, because it's them in Kansas City that are vying for that top seed, right? And if they win, they're... We have the tiebreaker. They, they play Texas. Yeah. And they should but beat Kansas Texas. Kansas City plays Denver, and they're probably going to beat Denver. Well, we should beat Texas. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, there's no Houston. way they're going to lose to... Houston. Well, yeah, but there's Houston. no way they're going to lose... Yeah. Well, yeah, Texans. Yeah. There's no way they're going to lose to them twice. All right. Hopefully not. Yeah. There's no way. Hopefully not. There's no way they'll lose to him twice. And this year, I think that would be a big deal, right? Because isn't especially it, since is it they get the top year? seed, the, yeah, for the and, win. But the top seed, I think, is the only seed that gets a first a buy in yes. the first week of the playoffs. Yeah. Because they change now. They've got what seven teams in the playoffs instead of in the past it was six, and so I think the top two seeds got a buy. This year you've got seven. So I think it was last year. It was only the top one seed team. too. I thought it was top I seem two. to remember this is the first year where you had seven teams in the playoffs. Huh. Maybe. But but I don't know. So that so anyway, so to that point, if Either they way. get that first seed, so if he sits out this deal. week and they get the first seed, Frank, you know, honestly, that's, that's another thing. That's he will three sit more out the weeks. first week in the playoffs, yeah. Three more weeks he'd have to rest mm-hmm. and get healthy. So, yeah. All right. Well, which is really big. I mean, especially in football, a first round bye, that's two games to get to the Super Bowl, right? Basically. Yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah. That's so, right. So, I mean, <laughs> Yep, I mean that's nuts, man. Well, that's so big for them, and they'll come back with a healthy Derrick Henry with the rest of the team rolling, hopefully. Um, and this last week of the NFL is going to be really interesting, especially in the AFC. I know in the NFC, it's maybe not as close of a race. I'm trying to think: is there one spot still open? Maybe do I have that wrong? Because you got. You got Green Bay, Dallas, I think Philly, Tampa. Uh, I think there's one spot still open up for grabs in the playoffs. Uh, you've got Arizona, you got the Rams. Anyway, and then but in the uh, in the AFC, it's interesting because Baltimore, Pittsburgh are still in it. The Chargers, you know, the Chargers and and the Raiders play this weekend, and the winner of that game's in. And then I think there's one more spot, right? Because you got Buffalo, New England, you got Cincy, Tennessee, Kansas City, then one of either the Chargers or the Raiders. And then, yeah, I think there's one more spot available after that that'll be between, I think it's Indy. I think Indy probably gets it, but Indy, it's between Indy, yeah. Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Um, yeah, I think it's between those teams. That's so, an interesting thing. The AFC is so open in the playoffs too, since there's so many. Yeah. No team is like really pulling away that much besides Tennessee and and Kansas City, but they're not even really pulling away that much. NFC yeah. is where you see guys actually, or teams actually kind of pulling away. Yeah. But that's good news for anybody in the AFC because you don't have to play anybody from the NFC unless you make the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it doesn't matter. Records don't matter. 
All right, well, let's see. And in the NFL, we could talk about maybe some of the guys to watch in the playoffs. I also, we haven't talked much about non-quarterback players. We did talk about Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris as a couple of rookie running backs that we like. Or I think in the past we've talked about Jamar Chase as a rookie wide receiver and kind of his connection with Joe Burrow linking up from their LSU days. But before we do that, I guess we can talk about some of the guys to watch in the playoffs. I still like Josh Allen, to be honest. I actually think Buffalo is being overlooked in all of this. Kind of all the focus has been on Tennessee, on Kansas City, on Cincinnati, I mean, on I think New the England. Issue, the issue is their record. But they're still going to win their division, I believe. We'll see. But they're tied right now with New England. But I think they end up winning that division and probably end up with you know being tied for the second-best record in the AFC. I'm just telling you, look out for Buffalo. I still like Josh Allen a lot. I know he hasn't statistically had the great season, but and I actually think his the value. I mean, of I some agree. Buffalo is really good too. But um, and you can pick up know. some of his cards. His cards, depending what you're looking for, he's got some cards that are more expensive. But comparatively speaking, to like Burrow or Herbert or Mahomes or those guys, you know, a lot of Allen's stuff has actually kind of come down in the back half of the season because he hasn't had as great of a season as he statistically, like I said, as he had last year. But I actually like him, not just for the short term, but I actually like him for longer term as well. So I think he's one to watch. I think another one I think is interesting is Derek Carr. Now we'll see if they can beat the Chargers. They got to beat the Chargers to get into the playoffs. But, you know, all the focus has been on Herbert and Burrow and everything else. Meanwhile, Derek Carr sitting there, he's got the Raiders position. If they win, they're in the playoffs. And again, I know Carr hasn't had, but he's he's not had a bad season. I want to say, let me look, let me find the stats here because I think he's thrown for over four. Yeah, he is fourth among all quarterbacks in the NFL, having thrown for over four thousand six hundred yards this season. Which, by by the way, to compare, Matthew, look at look how close this is. Matthew Stafford right now uh, is in second, so Tom Brady's first with almost five thousand. And then Matthew Stafford has 4,648 yards, Herbert 4,631 yards, and Derek Carr 4,618 yards, and then Burrow 4,611. So those, so two through five in terms of leaders and passing yards are all separated by what less than 40 yards. So that's kind of interesting. And I know it's also you also have to look at things like passer rating and some other things, but nonetheless, and Carr doesn't stack up as strong on some of those things. But I actually think if the Raiders get into the playoffs, I think they've got a team that can be trouble for. I'm not saying they make a deep run, but because I don't think I mean it's definitely it's a dangerous team. Yeah, to play in the first. I round. don't think they'll, and I can't. You know, I'm a Bronco fan, so I can't believe I'm saying this. But I don't think they'll go deep. I don't. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. But yeah. I think they could challenge. You some wouldn't teams. necessarily they could sneak up on. Some I don't teams. think you would want to play them in the wild card. Exactly, round. they're the team. I you think wouldn't you wouldn't want, want to. to play. If you were a higher ranked team, you would not want to see them in the first round necessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So I think he's one that's interesting to watch because his stuff is not terribly expensive as well. We've talked about his rookie cards before. He's in that 2014 rookie class and. Let me do a quick. Uh, give me some. Uh, give me some hold music or some uh, Jeopardy music while I'm trying to pull up his his Jeopardy card music. stats here. I'm not humming on this mic for you. <laughs> Come on, man. why not? Be like, you got it. Or some. Not it's some right Je- there. Not some Jeopardy music. But yeah. All right. So here's 
So he's, yeah, 2014 tops. I'll use the, what should I use? I'll use the tops chrome rookie card. And in PSA 10, it is selling for, is this right? That's about 100 and, 150 bucks. Um, some of them not even that depends there's different variations different image variations but so you can pick up his rookie card PSA 10 in let's say 50 to 100 bucks for his card and let me go look at the let me look at the pop count because I don't think there's incredibly high pop count with his stuff where is it there we go all right so his his tops chrome rookie all right so it's not it's not extremely low but it's it's 2056 so there's 2056 tens I mean that's not you know that's not low but it's it's also not like some of the more modern guys that have you know three four five plus thousand uh, he also has a Bowman chrome 2014 uh, 529 is the pop count on that one anyway so all I'm saying is I think some of his cards might offer some value and potentially over the long haul as well because I'm, I'll tell you what, in the off, the off season is going to, I know we're not there yet, but just to real briefly touch on, I think the off season in the NFL for quarterbacks is going to be really interesting because you got guys like Russell Wilson, you know, where's, where's he going to end up? Where's Aaron Rodgers going to end up? What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Is he kind of come back in the league? What's going to happen with, you know, a guy like Derek Carr with John Rudin or Rudin, Gruden being gone? Is he, you know what's the situation there? Is he going to stick around and be a Raider or not? I don't. I don't know all the situation there, um, but and then what about some, you know like the backup Ravens quarterbacks? Uh, Tyler Huntley came in and now they lost all their games, <laughs> but still. I mean, but, but they the Ravens can you believe they were eight and three. They lost five in a row to go eight and eight. Yeah, but weren't they but, all like really close? Yeah. So, so in fairness to them, four of those five losses were by a combined five points. So think so that but, five points. So that's like one point. They lost all those games by one point, and a lot of those were because Harbaugh, their coach. He would like go for two to try to win the game at the end, and they'd lose anywhere. He could have kicked and tied yeah. the game and played and for see, overtime, like, and he didn't. So. See, like, and like that's that kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, like oh they were all like so close, so they could have won any of them, but it's like they didn't. Yeah, and so no, that shows right. you they have an issue with closing games, and that's a problem. Well, but a lot um, of that if was they can't close games, yeah. whether or not it's Harbaugh being on the an coach. idiot. He, well, um, yeah. Well, I don't think he was an idiot. I probably would have done what he did in some of those. Depends but, on the situation. That's right. No, I agree. I but mean, do you keep doing after you lost a couple, one or two games that way? Like to keep doing it, I feel like at some point, just like tie the game, go to overtime, take your chances. I mean, in overtime. hey, the coach is not exempt from. The, the teams like play the coach the coach has a lot to do with how the team is playing yeah the coach closes games too it's not just the players yeah and if the team as a whole cannot close games that is an issue and that's not something to be overlooked yeah but I do think so I do think Tyler Huntley who came in in relief uh when Lamar Jackson was injured I think he was injured and then I can't remember if he was also on COVID protocols but I think Tyler actually played well now I don't know what his contract situation is like and whether he'll be you know he's going to be staying in in Baltimore but, you know, he's, he's also one that's interesting if he were to hit the market because uh, I think his play was, was decent. And, and he's the kind of quarterback in terms of size, mobility, and everything else that, that could potentially make an impact for, for another team. So, anyway, I don't know. There's going to be some interesting, interesting things to watch there. 
some other non-quarterback guys in the NFL uh, that we can touch on because they don't get enough play. All the focus is always on the quarterbacks. But I, we've talked about this guy before. This is not a playoff team. It is a homer alert because it's a Bronco. But Javante Williams, the running back for the Denver Broncos, that guy is an absolute stud. He is a beast. And I think he's one to watch uh, for the long haul. And then I also think on the wide receiver front, I think guys like Cooper Cup with the Rams and Devontae Adams with uh, the Packers. Frankly, I think those guys are undervalued, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm going to pull up. Let's see. So Cooper Cup was a 2017, was his uh, rookie year. And I'm going to look at his cards right now. So you look at, uh, well, he's not, so he's not cheap. But you look at his 2017 Panini Prism PSA 10. It's selling for around $350 to $400. Not cheap, but also maybe not necessarily crazy expensive. And then same thing with Devontae Adams. So he was 2014. And if you look at his rookie card, you have to go to, uh, I'm looking at some of the top stuff. So there's a Topps Chrome rookie PSA 10. That one sells for $135, the last sale. That was, uh, wow. And just looking, kind of glancing through some of these. Yeah, I mean, I think, and here's another one. Here's his Topps Chrome. That's a mini uh, in a PSA 10. That sold for 200 So anyway, bottom line is I think there's, I think his stuff is undervalued because if you think about a guy, I mean, I think Devontae Adams if you think about where Jerry Rice's cards are now, Devonte Adams, I know before everyone starts screaming, "Hey, wait a second, he's no Jerry Rice." I get it; he's not on that level yet, but he is a beast of a receiver. Cooper Cup is as well, and if you just think about long-term potential value there, the pop counts on those guys are not huge. In fact, uh, let me see if I can pull those up real quick. I'm not going to be able to do that, am I? All right, never mind. I, I don't have that up right now. But I, I know I was looking that up before the show. And, oh, here we go. I've got it now. So let me put this in. Give me some more of that. Cue that music again for me. Music? No music? No music. No uh, music to tie us through. So I'm trying to get the uh, pop counts. I'm using gem rate, and my connection here is not as fast as I would like it. So Cooper Cup, I'm looking at that Panini Prism pop count on PSA 10s from 2017. 213 so not a huge number now i realize that if his cards started going up significantly more in value there's probably a bunch of raw cards sitting out there that would increase that pop count but nonetheless and then let me look at Devonte adams real quick because i think his pop counts are similar yeah so if you go to his 2014 tops chrome that we were talking about 236 is the pop count on PSA 10s. So if you compare those pop counts to say guys, you know, some of the leading all-time leading receipt like Jerry Rice and the value on Jerry Rice cards, the PSA 10s for like Adams and Cup are selling about the same price as say a PSA 8 is or maybe a 9 for Jerry Rice. So anyway, like I said, I just think on a relative basis there's some value there. I've probably spent way more time on that than I wanted to, but so some other guys I'd look at, another guy I like, although his cards are not necessarily cheap, but it's Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was, if I'm not mistaken, was he the first? I should have looked this up before the show. I don't know why I didn't. Was he the first tight end to get 1,000 yards in his rookie season? Mm, I think so. Check. Yeah, all right. So sorry. We'll have to, we'll have to edit some of this out for our listeners. 
so we're not sitting here do 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 waiting for this stuff to load um but yeah he became the let's see becomes the first rookie tight end yeah so i think that's right i think he was the first rookie tight end ever to have a thousand yard season and i think he's a beast now he's with atlanta and the falcons have not they they've got some work to do to become a contender but nonetheless i think he's a beast if you want to get his stuff there's not a lot of graded stuff out there on him so if you're going to get his stuff probably have to you know go with maybe like the more value stuff might be the don ross uh, rated rookie cards maybe go for the hollow on that or you could also go for his absolute he's in the panini absolute you could get his kaboom card the kaboom card is selling for about three hundred dollars not cheap that's raw not graded but those kabooms if uh, graded a 10 for a top player can actually get into the four figures pretty easily so anyway i think he's one to keep an eye on because yeah it's first so the first rookie tight end in 60 years it says uh to top a thousand yards i think the last one to do it would have been mike dicka right uh let's look at the story yeah that's right yeah so mike dicka looks like was the last one to do it in 1961 and so kyle pitts uh, first one to do it since the great mike legend wow. mike dicka so anyway i think he's he's one to keep an eye on as well and then on the defensive side of the ball because we don't talk about that and frankly i i get it uh, defenders do not carry as high of values in the hobby as the offensive side is but pecking order probably is quarterbacks running backs receivers and then defense but i do think there's a couple of defenders that are interesting um and one is Trayvon Diggs with Cowboys Uh, he's a rookie this year and I think has had what maybe 11 interceptions and I think just watching that guy play I think that guy is a stud and has the potential to put together a long productive career so again not a lot of graded stuff on him right now since he is a rookie Uh, but and I haven't looked up all the details on the value of his card so I'll need to take a look at that maybe we can share some of that next time but he's one I think to look at and then another guy I think could be interesting is TJ Watt with the Steelers you know, if you look at the sacks he's had and the production he's had on the field in comparison to some of the greats, I think there could be some opportunity. I mean, he's right up there. Yeah, I think he's there could be right some opportunity with, with him over the long haul as well. So, all right, we've probably covered enough on football. Let's jump over to basketball. Where do you want to go first with basketball? Uh, well, let's just kind of start with kind of the newsy stuff so we can just you know, Hall of Fame nominees. Hall of Fame nominees, nominees are out. were released. Yep. Um, Highlighted by first-time nominees, Manu Ginobili and Tom Chambers. And then I actually want to highlight some of the WNBA players because um, I don't think they get enough hobby love. So Lindsey Whalen um, was a first-time nominee. Coach George Carl, now he was a player too, but uh, Coach George Carl, I think he's in. Actually, I think his, by the way, his 1974 Topps rookie card I think is tremendous value. You can buy that thing in a PSA nine for less than a hundred bucks. I think it's might be like 30, 40 bucks is what it's selling for something like that. Wow. And there are not many tens. Uh, let's see if I've got the pop report on his tens. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, there are only eight tens and I think only about 155 nines on the pop report for PSA right now. So, and anyway, so I think he's an interesting one from a card standpoint uh, Tim Hardaway, Muggsy Bogues, Mark Jackson's on there. And then in okay, the w- Mark Jackson in the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah. What is this like the third time he's been nominated or something? Well, and something yeah. stupid. Yeah, and you know, probably it's what's funny about him is probably his most well, I don't know, I haven't looked this up. I'd be curious to know. I should look this up. Is but one of his most I don't know if it's most valuable, but certainly one of his more uh notorious, I guess, if you want to say cards is actually his nineteen ninety hoops card and it's not because of Mark Jackson, it's because in the background has the Menendez brothers. Yeah. Yeah, you've <laughs> talked about that before. Yeah. So but and then WNBA players also you've got uh, Swin Cash and Becky Hammond, and I think all three of those are interesting. I I just think longer term, you know, there are not high pop counts on these female athletes and their cards, and I think longer term you're going to see growing demand for female athletes' cards, and so I like for me. I could find they're going to be hard to find because of low pop counts and but if you could find some Lindsey Whalen some Swin Cash or some Becky Hammond cards uh, those are ones I would probably look to buy and and stash away um, for for several years I think they potentially uh, represent some some good investment value absolutely to get some you know some of the Hall of Fame WNBA players all right um I will say also, um, this has absolutely nothing to do with the Hall of Fame, but Clay Thompson is expected to come back this Sunday, actually, against the Cavs. Oh, nice. That's big news. interesting. Yeah. And on that same note, they're doing the like all-star fan voting for the all-star starters. And guess who's currently fourth in the West guards? In the West? Yeah. Uh, for guards? Clay Thompson. Oh, really? And he, he hasn't, hasn't played, played a single game, game and the fans have voted him. He's the fourth highest fan voted Seriously? all-star right now. He hasn't played a game. Now, that's just the fan vote for the starters. Yeah. I mean, you also have media. Popularity And um, player vote. Um, the fan vote's really just tiebreaker. Unless you're like one or two, you're not going to be a starter. But, yeah. like, I just think that's interesting. That um, he hasn't interesting. played a single game, and he's number four in the fan voting. Well, them and uh, Phoenix Suns, I guess the Jazz are up there too, but uh, them and Phoenix Suns, I think, are um, actually Phoenix is actually ahead of the Warriors in the standings. Yeah, right they now just pulled ahead last night. Warriors had a couple, they had Curry, Draymond out, they lost the Pelicans, and Phoenix evidently won their game. So they played, they lost to Phoenix? No, the Warriors lost to the Pelicans. They didn't have yeah. Steph or Draymond. Oh, but the right. Phoenix also played, and oh, I'm assuming, Phoenix also I'm guessing played. I won. thought you meant they lost to Pelicans and to Phoenix. No, yeah, because they they played uh, they played the they Clippers played last night or on something. Christmas Day, right? Yes, and they beat them. That was a that was a good game. But and t- speaking of Phoenix, I did have in my notes I wanted to touch on Devin Booker because, and we've talked about him before, but where's my notes on that? Devin Booker, there it is. So he became the seventh youngest player to reach 10,000 career points behind only, and this is a nice list to be behind or to be on, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony, Tracy McGrady, which might be surprising to some people on that, but and Giannis. That's um, good company. Yeah, and Booker's only 25. He was a first-round draft pick in 2015. Now, some of his cards, they aren't cheap per se, but man, right. and people who don't know, he's at a seventy-point game too. Wow! Which is like, you know, he's like one of like three people who've ever done that or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe you, maybe you go somewhere else, talk about something else. I'm gonna see if I can't look up his uh, 2015 cards. I think I've already got those. I think I looked those up before the show. Did I not? Do you have them? Uh, no. So I'm All gonna right. look them up. 
We can talk about Josh Giddy real quick too, because yeah, go ahead. Let's I mean, he became that. the youngest player ever to record a triple double. Which, um, for people who might not know, what a triple double is basically just triple double digits. Um, three stats that have double digits. So, like for instance, ten points, ten assists, ten rebounds. Plus, it's usually going to be those three stats. It's pretty hard to do it in any others. Um, he had seventeen points, fourteen assists, thirteen rebounds against Dallas which is actually interesting. I'm honestly not even seeing a lot of people talking about this just because it's kind of, this record just kind of keeps being broken over and over again. Like LaMelo said it last year um, and became the youngest player to do it. And literally yeah, a season after Josh Giddy did it. Yeah, I but is it really going to get, bro- I mean, because LaMelo was 19 years old in 140 days. Uh, Giddy was 19 years and 84 exactly. days. Exactly. Like it doesn't, it's so, kind I mean, of the same thing. Is someone really going to, I mean, they'd have to really be young. Exactly. But, like, the other thing is, like, you're kind of starting to see triple-doubles become a lot more common anyway. So, I think it's it's starting to get a little bit less valued. Not to say it's not super hard and impressive, but it's, you know, it's uh, it, it does kind of show how much better the younger guys are getting. Everybody's kind of coming in really good already. Well, and, no, I like Giddy a lot. We talked about, I think you're the one that called him out to me to say, hey, he's one to watch. And we talked about him before the season started as a, as a rookie to keep yeah, an eye on. Absolutely. And, yeah, he's done – because before he had that triple-double, I actually made a note because it was not maybe a few games before that he had a double-double. But what was noteworthy about the double-double is it wasn't with point. Normally it would be points and rebounds or points and assists. His double-double was rebounds and assists, not points. And so actually, he had, he, had, he had zero points that game, if I remember right. Seriously? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. It was that. zero wow. points and then, like, you know, however many rebounds and assists, yeah. which is a Draymond Green stat line right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty impressive, pretty interesting type of player. And I like his stuff. I did get Devin Booker. So Devin Booker's 2015 is Panini Prism as a pop count of on the PSA 10 of about 1,600, just shy of that. So, you know, not incredibly high, but not low either. And that card right now is selling for around 400 bucks, give or take. But so it's not cheap, but I think there's potentially some longer term, you know, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I think there's some upside because like we said, he's only 25 years old. Mm -hmm. So, all right. And then we definitely should mention that Dirk's jersey was finally retired um, in Dallas, Mark Cuban. In the Mavericks, they finally retired it. Uh, number 41, who, I mean, he's pretty clear-cut, the best player in their franchise history. Spent 21 seasons in Dallas, which was his entire career. 14-time All-Star, averaged over 20, 20 points per game, and led the Mavs to their only NBA title during the 2010 and 11 season. He was also the MVP in the 06-07 season, and I'm pretty sure he's, like, top five or top eight or something in, in the all-time scoring list as well. Um, but it's pretty good to see him finally get his jersey retired there. Um, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame as soon as he's eligible. I think it's probably in the next year or two or something like that. He'll be eligible for the you know, Naismith Hall of Fame. They've also put up a statue. They're going to be putting up a statue in front of the arena of him. Are and they I think, really? I think they unveiled like a miniature version of that on the night that they retired his jersey. And it, it looked pretty cool if that's, if that's the correct one. Hmm. It's a pretty nice looking statue. And it was pretty interesting. So Dallas actually played... Uh, Golden State that night and so I think everybody might have been a little bit worried because Golden State was probably the favorite to just kind of come in and just kind of crush Dallas but Dallas actually won that game and held Golden State to like 84 points or something really which is really really nice for their for uh, Dirk's retirement night for sure 
That is nice. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up uh, his rookie year was 1998, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he has a, a few different cards that year. I'll use tops and tops. Chrome is the kind of the baseline. But those, the uh, terms of the PSA 10s, there's only about a, so there's 190 of the tops, what we call paper, and then 162 of the tops, chrome. And just to give you an idea in terms of the percent of total cards graded, it's about a 10% gem rate, meaning about 10% of all the cards graded have received a PSA 10. I actually like to see that. The lower you see that percentage of 10s, the better in terms of value or long-term investment value. Um, Because you see in some of the modern guys, it's like better than 50% of the cards being produced get, get 10s. And I'm trying to look up to see what some of his stuff's been selling for. It's not cheap. He's one I would love. I don't think I have his rookie card in my current, in my personal collection. He's one I'd love to have. But trying to find him in the higher grade is hard. But you can get, so like here's, I'm looking, is that right? Can that possibly be right? I'm looking at a PSA 9 that sold for $50. So I'll have to look more at this to see. Here's his top's finest card in PSA 10 that sold for $230. If that's the case, I'm not sure if that's right, but if that's the case, then that I would say that's uh, that's undervalued in my opinion. I think there's good long-term investment value in some of his stuff. He's what the the probably the best player in franchise history. He One was, of the uh, best players ever. Yeah, honestly, exactly. I would maybe put him in. Well, almost like a Kevin Durant in terms of his height and oh, size yeah. and how he plays but, outside, shoots. And the thing from, was, he wasn't like super athletic. And the interesting thing well, about that's, that's Dirk true. is that Dirk kind of came into the league and he wasn't like very good, honestly. Like he was one of those players that were kind of took him a minute. Um, he came in, he could shoot the ball really well, but that's about all he could do. Um, eventually, he kind of worked on putting the ball on the floor more, worked on his playmaking, and eventually developed that. You know, everybody knows that like one-legged jumper one left leg fadeaway that he's so known for developed that and you know over the course of a few seasons started to kind of become really really dominant yeah he didn't just come into the league like that by any means well it looks like the last psa 10 sale i can find on him on his tops card uh was actually this year so it was a few days ago for about 300 dollars and then the PSA nines of that card, yeah, it looks like they're selling for around fifty dollars. I just think mm-hmm. that represents a lot oh, that's, of value. That's to be honest. like, I mean, seriously. Another interesting thing about him, uh, he had a 50-40-90 season, which, you know, fifty percent from the field, forty percent from three, ninety percent from the free throw line, shooting percentages, nice. which is a very, very hard club to be a part of, and he he was that at least one season well and he can claim he's got an nba title that he got with the mavs in the 2010 2011 season he's a league mvp in the 2006 2007 season so you know averaged over 20 points a game over the course of 21 seasons he's a 14 time all-star i mean definitely and the best part about that ceremony for me is they like they kind of barely even talked about how good he was as a player they really talked more about him as a person which is kind of nice because if you ever kind of heard Dirk talk or see him interact with anybody he's just like a super nice guy seems like a really good Um, guy super super kind of soft spoken guy but you know has a sense of humor very 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 nice person and they kind of most of what they were talking about was just kind of how good of a guy he was which is really nice to see absolutely love that yeah so he's definitely one I'm going to have to look to add into the personal collection because I definitely liked him as a player and like you said he's probably even better guy yeah, and at those values, I mean, goodness. 
I mean, I said I compared him to Kevin Durant. It more, he, you're, you're right. He's not as athletic. He's a big, he's, not as he's athletic, seven foot and he can shoot the ball That's well. right. I mean, yeah. he shoots from, he you know, his, that's what he's, you know, shoots threes mm-hmm. and, you know, shoots like Curry. I mean, not quite, right? But still, I mean, he's a good shooter and with his height out there, just, man. Anyway, okay. Uh, where else you want to go? I, I, so I do, one player I was, I'm interested in is Tyrese Halliburton. He uh, performed well when Darren Fox was out on COVID. I think he had a couple of double doubles. He averaged over 20 points and 10 assists and nearly five boards during a, a maybe a three or four game stretch. What are your thoughts on Halliburton? Oh well, he's just he, I mean, he can flat out play. I mean, I think he was, I think he was a rookie last season. I'm pretty sure he ended like third in rookie of the year voting. Um, which, I mean, he's going up against, you know, LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, who are obviously kind of probably generational talents-ish, could be. Definitely stood out among the pack. But Tyrese was, was kind of right there behind him. He had a pretty good rookie season. This season he's made a pretty good jump. I mean, as far as, like, solid role players go right now, he's as good as any. So, And clearly through that stretch he kind of shows that he can step up and take on more of a role, and I definitely think he can in the future. He's, he's showing good improvement. Um, I mean, I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, he was the 2020. Uh, let me look up his cards here real quick. Uh, all right, so yeah, I'm looking up his stuff right now. And his 2020 Panini Prism Silver Prism rookie card in PSA 10. If that's right. Selling for, looks like around, that can't be right, is it? It's not, is it selling for 30, bo- 30 bucks? Hey, that might be right, man. I mean, he hasn't gotten like a lot of talking about, really. By the way, I'm on, for our listeners don't know, I'm on 130 point. That's where I'm looking right now. I should probably look him up on Card Ladder as well. I guess it depends. There's some parallels in serial numbered cards that he's got that are selling for a lot more than that. And that, that may make some sense because that's 2020. That was, you know, pop counts are going to be through the roof. Now, his pop counts are not crazy high, but that's only probably because nobody's really sent a lot of stuff in to be graded on him yet. So um, if those cards were to go up in value, you'd see those pop card counts skyrocket. But yeah. anyway, for those looking for, you know, definitely maybe a longer term. mid-term, long-term investment. I, I definitely investment. think he's got a lot of, a lot of uh, room to grow, and he's already pretty good, so, you know. We'll yeah. see kind of how he how he develops over the next few seasons. And speaking, when we talk rookies, the, we talked in our halftime report about some of the, finally, some of the rookie class basketball cards coming out with these players in their pro uniforms. We're now finally getting those. And so who you got? Who you're thinking? We've got Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy. obviously we talked about, Jalen Green, Devion Mitchell, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's Alpern. How do you say his last name? Do you uh, know? Shingun. Shingun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Duarte. Is that right? Mm-hmm. How you say his last name? Who you got among the rookie class? Well, I think one notable one that you left out on this list is Franz Wagner. Oh, yeah. Who's actually, I think, so like probably the most standout rookies right now are probably some of the most surprising ones, honestly. Evan Mobley maybe wasn't that surprising, but. I don't think people kind of thought he would be like a rookie of the year candidate, but he's been he's been up there all season. I mean, he's been playing with the Cavs. The Cavs got their twin towers out there. They're playing some real good basketball, even with their best player out. Evan Mobley's actually got a pretty solid role. He's playing really well there. I mean, then you have Franz Wagner for the Orlando Magic, who the Orlando Magic actually drafted Jalen Suggs with like the fifth pick or something, which everybody thought was a steal. And 
I mean, Jones has been playing pretty good, but Franz Wagner's really been the star there. Honestly, he's been their best player in a lot of situations, a lot of games. He's been putting up pretty big numbers. I think he had a career-high 38 points like a week ago or something. I mean, he's just playing lights out, and, you know, he's he comes from a, from a basketball family. I think Mo Wagner is his older brother. Who, he's second-leading scorer on the Magic right now yeah. with uh, 16 points behind Cole Anthony. Exactly. He's at 20. But uh, I guess the only issue there is that – and. Why are they why so why are the magic so bad? Because I'm looking no, at they're their, just so young, man. They're just yeah. young. That's really all. Because they it got Jalen Suggs, they got Cole Anthony, they got Franz Wark. I mean they're just yeah, young. I guess it's it's yeah. like they got they they just got all their first round draft picks basically on the team and that's it. They got not a lot of vets, if any. So yeah. I mean they're just you know, they're developing. They're yeah. kind of in rebuild stage. They just traded away all their players last season basically. So, you know. Um and then we got other guys like Alperin Shangun, we've talked about before, who isn't really like you know outstanding by any means, but uh, in comparison to some of these other guys. But I mean, he's really solid. This this kid can play. Um, we talked about him before. Like he'd been playing in the Turkish league against grown men for a while. He's kind of an old school big, but I mean, he does all the stuff that you want him to. He's getting pretty good minutes minutes for Houston. And honestly, he kind of steals the show from Jalen Green most nights, I would say. Um, so he's definitely one to watch. We talked about, you know, Chris Duarte, Jalen Green, Davion Mitchell. I mean, honestly, I think Davion Mitchell is really more kind of a – he's going to be more valuable for most on most teams because of his defense. He's earned the nickname Off Night, which is probably one of the best nicknames, I think, in the NBA right now because of how, how well he guards. He can force players into having off nights. Nice. That's but, a good nickname. I, like I mean, that. yeah, I like that one. Um, and then Scotty Barnes is still – I mean, he's been playing pretty consistent all season, and obviously Cade Cunningham. But, I mean, in terms of, like, recent rookies that I've really been paying attention to, it's it's really Evan Mobley and it's Franz Wagner for me. Nice. And then I guess you can talk about Ian Cade's been pretty – Cade Cade has been playing pretty good all season too. Cade, Scotty, Jalen Green maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean like- I'm going to be honest. I thought Jalen Green would have a, a, little, a little bit more of an explosive start. But, I mean, he's, he's playing good, but he's not playing, like – you know, like I think people might have thought he would. Yeah. Which I mean, there might have been a little bit too high of expectations for that. But well, and by any means, he's still playing great. So. And there's another team in the Houston Rockets that's you know sitting at the bottom of the of the standings. But is that is again is that just youth? I mean, I'm I looking. mean, yeah, they're just rebuilt mode. I mean, again, last season, what they got rid of Harden, they got rid of. Yeah. They got Oladipo, got rid of Oladipo. They got rid of they got Olenek, got rid of Olenek. Um, they yeah. got rid of P.J. Tucker. They've sidelined John Wall, and they're going to move him. So he hasn't been playing at all. So, I mean, yeah, they're just young. They're just they rebuilding. do have Alpern. They've got Jalen. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, K.P.J. Kevin they've got Porter Christian Jr. Wood, who is a very good player, actually. Yeah. Probably their best player right now. Yeah, he's their leading scorer, actually. So And leading. Re- he's averaging uh, He's averaging a double-double with yeah. uh, 10 boards and 17 points. I mean, he was a candidate for most improved last season, actually, if he didn't get hurt. He's playing pretty, pretty good basketball. Let me look him up. So looks like his rookie year was probably 20, looks like 2015. Hmm. So he's been around a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he's definitely, I mean, he's, he's playing some pretty good basketball and definitely standing out on, you know, a not so good Houston team. And then, so then moving away from the rookie class, you wanted to also talk to talk or touch on, I think that Portland Miami game. So do you mean Portland Atlanta game, or was it Atlanta? Because that's right. I guess it was Atlanta. Because the one, the, well, there's right? actually two funny. I mean, funny you put Miami because there's actually the Portland. There's a notable Portland Atlanta game 
and a notable Portland-Miami game uh, for very different reasons. But I'll talk about Atlanta just because that's what we want to talk about. Um, really all there is to say, uh, Trey got 56 and lost. Um, it was actually a pretty good sideline. It was like 56 and like 14 assists or something, which is puts him in pretty elite company. I forget the list. It was like the only people to do 50-plus and like 10-plus assists was like, and was that- I don't know, MJ, Harden, something like that. It was like a pretty elite group of people. Yeah. Um, but then on the other right. side, Portland, who actually won the game, they had Anthony Simons get 43, who everybody's been saying had a lot of potential. Um, he was in the dunk contest last year. I think this might be his either second or third year, something like that. Played absolutely lights out. And I think that's honestly more impressive just because they got the win and just because he's had to step up a little bit. And I think that's that's really good for him to show that he can he can go out there and do that. And I think a lot of people have been saying that he could. And so this kind of shows that, yeah, he can go out and he can get big numbers if he needs to. Um, and he's still pretty young. He's really, really athletic. Uh, definitely one to watch for sure. Um, and then obviously on the other side, Trey, I mean, that's like a season high 56 for any player, I think, in the NBA. I mean, Trey's just been playing great great basketball yeah i mean he's in the top five i mean he's like i mean him him and jaw are like those they're gonna be like the guys as far as like the up-and-coming point guards for sure but that was that game and then but yeah funnily enough you put portland miami it's for very different reasons i guess uh, it was just tyler hero and yusuf nurkic got in a fight <laughs> both got fined and ejected not really much to talk about there it's kind of tyler really tyler started it and he really didn't have any reason to which would be the second time this season that Miami has gotten into like a fight with like no real reason to honestly literally all that happened was Nurkic set a screen on Tyler Tyler hit it really hard it was a completely clean screen was not dirty was not illegal Tyler got knocked over got mad one and pushed him in the back he came back and like shoved his face and then they broke it up it was barely a fight but they both got ejected but if Tyler should be mad at anybody it was kind of his teammates fault for not calling out the screen because <laughs> it was a completely like clean screen nice not dirty at all so i don't know all right where else you want to go i mean that's really it basically i think we've covered most of the things that we wanted to yeah, we've covered a lot of ground and mm -hmm. we've all right well anything else you want to touch on i guess we could i don't think so uh Kyrie played his first game not really much else to say there he's playing road games where he can but you know he Got like 22 or something. Still playing good. Looks like he never left. It's really the only other piece of news I would feel like we would need to share. Okay. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, that'll be it then. Mm -hmm. We'll go to the outro. That will be the show. We'll hold the topic that we had for our coaches corner over to next week. So you can look forward to that. We're also planning on having some other guest interviews in the near future. We're working on trying to get those lined up. Not sure how long it'll take to do that, but we'll keep you posted when we get any of those confirmed. And I think that's it. So the first show of 2022 is in the books. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. And Brandon, take us out. All right, so we hope you enjoyed it. As we always say, we're open to suggestions, so please feel free to let us know what you like, don't like, things you'd like to hear more about, all that stuff. This is your show. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback so that we can improve and make the show better and more enjoyable, informative, and valuable for you. 
Also remember to check us out on social media. Like and follow our pages and channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com. We've added quite a bit of content over the past couple of weeks, especially in the hobby resources section. So check that out and subscribe to our email list. All right, that's a wrap. Enjoyed it. Hope you all did as well. And we will see you next Friday, same time, same place here on the 615 Collector.